It's a. Uh, it's something that'll change the world and human life as we know it. He knows. He's seen the light. When Monty talks, it's painful. <laughs> Monty, you have been so instrumental in uh, kind of pointing me in the right direction. <laughs> it was about um, looking at your character defects and spirituality. Uh, it, it's the integration of clinical practices with uh, the 12 steps. It's an absolute pleasure. He certainly knows a lot of people. Uh, he's got a lot of energy. And sometimes when you don't have so much energy, he picks you up and carries and you. the Monty man there certainly helps. This is one of the places that is about the business of the solution. Views expressed on this special broadcast of the Take 12 radio show do not necessarily reflect those of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting or its affiliates. KHLT is not affiliated with any particular 12-step fellowship. Now here's that guy who's getting less popular minute by minute, your host, The Multiman. Well, welcome aboard, my friends. This is your host, the Monty Man, here at Take 12 Recovery Radio, the world's original recovery talk and positive music radio station. We are continuing with our edited version of the promises of every step in the 12 steps. Each step has promises. We are at the promises of step four. Now, listen, we're going to be publishing these uh, once or twice a week so you can download them. We're making them available for you for for free at no charge for you. If you would like to listen to the promises of step one, two, and three, as well as this one and the ones coming up, simply visit us at take12radio.com and click on Follow Me on Podomatic. And there you will find each and every show as we produce them, as well as our other shows as well. And you can download them for for fun and for free and share them, burn copies of them, uh, share them with your friends. Uh, Remember, you can also find us on iHeartRadio and on iTunes and all sorts of social media platforms as well. All right, without further ado, the fourth step, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves, comes with its own set of promises. So let's join the conversation with my sponsor, Bruce H., Marv R., and myself on the promises of Step 4. Our topic uh, this week is uh, the promises associated with the fourth step. Uh, Before we get into this, let me ask you guys, we know that in, in working with with people in our 12 respective 12 step recovery fellowships that it seems to be um it, it seems that we lose people at the fourth step more than any other place uh, at least that's been my experience and uh, they 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 stop meeting with us they stop calling us it, they just like they put the brakes on why do you think that is bruce I'm not sure, but I know that's true. I think the minute that you give them something to do where they have to to sit down and uh, discipline themselves to at least think about this thing, uh, that uh, we can't do that. We would rather have a one-on-one where we talk with somebody or give where we got some input, but to sit down with a piece of paper in front of you and... Uh, uh, do this thing is it seems to, to be out of place and they don't want to do it. 
Is it difficult, Marv, to, to sit down and, and, and really put pen to paper and take a look at yourself? Because we're talking, for listeners that don't know, we're talking about a personal inventory here, a fearless and thorough one. Um, it's one thing to talk about it in a meeting. It's another thing to sit down and actually work on some of your defects of character and resentments and fear. Is, is, is that a hard thing for a person? It was hard for me. Yeah. But uh, I don't, um, I think a lot of times when you're getting ready to write it down, you have, that means you have to face it. Mm. You have to really uh, acknowledge your right. character defects or, and uh, people don't want to do that. Yeah, and I think the other problem is, is that they haven't really understood step one. Now, I'm not saying, it, it, like we hear a lot, just admit we're an alcoholic or admit that point. Right. You know, it's to admit that, you know, that you're powerless. So so, so understanding what admitting complete defeat is, is pretty essential. I think so. I think that it, if you do that, if you understand one, why wouldn't you seek a power? Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't you try to? They'd be so. And remember, you got all that pain and suffering behind you, pushing you. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, there's where fear steps in too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I I I think for for me, um, to to understand that there were promises behind this was very helpful. Because all I saw was the fear thing. Um, I knew what was coming, even though everybody said, don't read ahead or whatever. I I knew that what was coming after step four. And I thought if I started step four, that means I was on my road to, on the road to having to say with my mouth some of these issues with my sponsor and, and, uh, um, I, I had been burned so many times by people by opening up that I was scared to death to do that. And then I thought, wow, putting it on paper, what if somebody reads that? I mean, all these different things were going through my mind. Um, but I, I had somebody that came alongside me that uh, they were very good at, at easing my fear about that. Mm. Uh, they were very well versed in this thing and were very good at it. Well, you know, I'm a functioning illiterate, and I really had to have somebody help me spell and yeah. to do these things, and <clears throat> and I had to learn to to uh, uh, read and really understand what I was reading. You know, I uh-huh. I could read a book, you know, a Louis L'Amour, and, and and kind of enjoy it, but I my comprehension was pretty bad. So anyway, I, so I had that problem, and it wasn't until I understood what step one was that I was willing to engage that and to um, humble myself and ask for help with the spelling and those type things and yeah. try to put a dictionary down there and struggle through this thing. Mm-hmm. But then I found out that people that were well-versed uh, in this sort of thing that could read and had comprehension and could spell, uh, they were struggling. And I was losing a lot of people when I was trying to teach them this that were in that. And I 
come to believe that it the basis for that was they really didn't understand step one or they had stuck around long enough to where they were staying sober on their own self-will or the meetings or things like that. Mm-hmm. And so they weren't going to do the work, you know, until they stumbled again or something happened. Oh, good point. Forced them. So they, they got, maybe they, they did one, two and three just by hearing them being read or whatever, thought that they had done those and some things were getting better. No, the farther you get from not using, right. the more you can't convince us that we're going to use again. Right. See, so they wouldn't, so they would just go ahead yeah. and do what they're doing. And, uh, yeah, this is working for me, so why do I have to go any further? Yeah, yeah, so I, I don't have to do that. Yeah. Yeah, I want to come over and talk to you, but I don't want to do that. Yeah. And for some of them, that'll work. Yeah. People that are alcohol abusers and not alcoholics, that'll work real well. Well, I think they're all alcoholics, you know what I mean? But they're, uh, some of them don't have that obsession like we talk about. That, so that happens when you're sober. Yeah, right. They, but they have real drinking problems in it. When they're drinking, they you know, they have no woe in their game, and they they, <laughs> they end up getting DUIs, and you know, and sent to right, to, to right. court. The court sends them here, and in those type of things, you know, they're alcoholics. Also, they have problems with alcohol, but as far as being of the hopeless variety, I think that each man has to answer that himself. Yeah. You know? And all I try to do is give them the information for they can evaluate that and, and make that decision. And if they make that decision, I take them through the steps. So so let's uh, let, let's look at these. Uh, <clears throat> a number one here on the list says, when the spiritual malady is overcome, here's the promise. We start to straighten out mentally and physically. Um. If we just said we start to straighten out mentally and physically and took it out of context and left it at that, it'd be kind of confusing. So the first part of this, when we when we spiritual when the spiritual malady is overcome, let's talk about that for a minute. What is the spiritual malady? Oh, that's our 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 spiritual disease. Our our other words are the fall. Right. You know. Right. Our sin nature. Yeah. Yeah. And there there's a word that in your 12-step support meetings isn't very popular, but Bill uses it. He uses it in the, in the big book. He uses it in other writings that he wrote. <clears throat> the word sin. Mm-hmm. Which means to miss miss the mark. Mm-hmm. Um, fall short. Shortcomings. I mean, you know, here he goes again using different words. Um, but, and, and we've talked about it before, the only time the word disease is used is in the big book is when it's referred to as a spiritual disease. Other, other than that, it's the, the word illness is used mm-hmm. on, on a regular basis. So when the spiritual malady is overcome, we start to straighten out mentally and physically. Um, I often think about that scripture verse, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and then all these things will be added unto you. In other words, when, when we seek after our creator, uh, thing, things fall into place. And this suggests that things fall into place when the spiritual peace mm-hmm. is taken care of. Yeah, and, and remember, it, it talks about laying this spiritual uh, tool kit at our feet. At our feet. And that's these, these principles, these spiritual principles. Mm-hmm. 
uh, that we're going to use to look at ourselves to work on this spiritual aspect to see if we can see what's standing uh, between us and the Creator. Right. You know what I mean? What What is it that's going on? And the root cause of that, they say, is selfish and self-centeredness, that we're relying upon ourselves mm-hmm. instead of upon God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. See? So it's it's uh, it's it, it's the steps are really good for that, you know, and that that is the spiritual tools. I so that's, I applied in my I applied them in life this morning. Took a look at myself and asked God for strength and to do the proper thing. Right, you know. So. Marv, when when your when your spiritual center, if you will, is centered, do other things seem to fall into place almost naturally? Um, yeah, I've experienced that. Uh, again, I've said it before on this program, but it, it usually uh, I see it in hindsight. Me too. I don't, I don't see mm-hmm. it right up front. Mm-hmm. But I think uh, for the newcomer too, uh, and I've said this before, see, they make the statement here, when the spiritual malady is overcome, as if through some <clears throat> miraculous thing, all of a sudden, uh, spiritually, we're fit. Oh, like boom, bam. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's then not really the case. The clue it gets a little better because it says we start to straighten out mentally and physically. Now, if you're an alcoholic like I am, when I see when the spiritual malady is overcome, I think as thick-headed as I am, right <laughs> off the bat, oh, I've got it made. Or I can't straighten out until it's overcome completely. Yes. Right. So, uh, you know, I guess I'm just kind of being cautious here and saying, uh, you know, Give yourself a break and, and let these things fall into place as they may. It says in the book, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. So, <clears throat> well, and we, I like, I like what you said about we start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it doesn't say anything about finishing up. <laughs> right. <laughs> Number two, we cannot be, and this is referring to people that, that offended us, people that are that that are <laughs> we have issues with, um, and so forth. It says we cannot be be helpful to all people, but at least God will show us. Here's the promise: God will show us how to take a kindly and tolerant view of each and every one. Um, one of the, one of the things that that I suffered from in my first year was I I got this save the world mentality going on. I got so excited about my recovery that I thought I could fix everybody in the room. And I remember I was, I studied the traditions and I did all that, you know, all that footwork and everything. And by golly, I was going to make sure that that meeting up there in Sweet Home was going to be, you know, done right. And I was going to, you know, everything was going to line up. I don't know where that came from. Um, and I was told, you know, you you can learn to be tolerant and helpful and, and, and that kind of thing, but you're probably not going to fix everybody. <laughs> and you probably ought to stop trying to do that. Uh, that was a great relief to me um, when I, because I, I was kind of freed of my own bondage of thinking that I was, you know, the savior of this particular meeting. 
I think a lot of people fall fall into that. Uh, but um, I know I can't be helpful to everybody as far as like taking them through the steps. Some people just aren't going to do that. But I can be kind and I can be tolerant to everyone. That's a promise. That's something because that isn't that isn't my nature. My nature is to get in your face and tell you how you've made me uncomfortable and how you offended me and all that. But God has done something in me today where I handle that a lot better today when people are weird, except for the person that doesn't get my pizza order correct. <laughs> then I get a little intolerant. <laughs> so what about you guys? What's your experience been as far as God helping you to take a kind view and a tolerant view towards everyone? I think that this is a good place to verify what Barb was talking about. Not to verify it. I'm using wrong words here. For me to do this, to actually do this, be kind and tolerant towards yeah. people, uh, I had to grow there. I had to learn that that I wasn't going to be able to do that with all people. You see, that there would be times when I would react mm. and I had to, it was a process for me to 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 get into this. But remember what we're doing here. We're, we're doing a four-step. <clears throat> we're lining it up. And what the brook is showing us, just for what we, what we do when we look at it, what it's talking about, is... It's a new way of looking at things. We look at these people. We didn't like their symptoms and the way they disturbed us. You can see that because you have it on paper. And they're kind of like describing this out in this prayer. So we ask God right away. It's teaching us to use God. We even need God in the steps. Mm -hmm. See, so we start to look at these people and we turn it over. And maybe when we turn it over and we see that that we brought a lot of selfish, dishonest, uh, and fearful things to the relationship, and this person was sick too, disturbed, and we've seen that, then we can start to show them the grace that God is showing us by giving us the ability to take a kinder <clears throat> and tolerant view towards them, to approach them and talk to them on a different level. You see what I mean? Right. That we ever have been able to because we're angry at them and we, we don't know how to communicate because the anger is the driving force. The fear is the driving force. Mm. You see what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. inside of us. It's, we're doing these things, but we're being driven by the anger and the fear. Right. You see what I right. mean? The yeah. difference right. between driving the old <clears throat> cattle thing, you know. Yeah. You're being yeah. driven by a bunch of cowboys. Their hats got... Fear and resentment and jealousy and you know, and the and the cow thinks he's he's going on his own. He's being hurt, you see. So anyway, anyway, that's those things are pushing us. You see what I'm saying though, yeah. don't you? And yeah. so right away we're using these these things and their promises if you do them. If you did this and you found that God was giving you a different temperament, mm -hmm. then you would see the worth. Right. 
You see what I mean? He'd become precious over a period of time. Because without him, you'd revert back to what? Same old you. Same old person. Same old you. Yeah. Who we are. And may may I I just say, if you're doing it today, it's not old behavior. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Yeah. What's our excuse for our behavior today if we're not drinking? Yeah. Right. Right. Well, you know how we are. You hear that, don't you? Oh, you know how we are. That's just how we are. And I'm like, I just quit it. Mm -hmm. But I say, I want to sit around and tell everybody about this prayer instead of applying it in my life (laughs) and using it. Yeah. And somehow, sometimes I think we think we're applying it if we're just sharing it with somebody. Yeah. Ain't that something? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I've done it. No, you've talked about it. <laughs> I think sometimes we're applying it when we just keep our mouth shut. Uh, yeah. You know, Isn't that the uh, truth? For me, anyway, that's... Um, I've thought for a long time, and Bruce uh, touched on it, that uh, once we've done a third step, and uh, being really serious about it... Mm-hmm. Uh, it came upon me down the road that, hey, you know what? God extended this grace to you. Your responsibility is to extend that to others. Hmm. And one of the ways I do that, especially with, I, I should say, one of the ways I try to do that, especially with those up close and personal, is not to open my mouth. Because <laughs> um, sometimes it's fearful what can come out of my mouth. And yeah. to me, being kindly and tolerant means not putting that kind of stuff on other people. And and that's a beginning point for me. Um that's an age-old age adage, right? If you can't well, say something nice, that, don't now, say anything at all. This uh, especially in meetings where, mm-hmm. you know, you can't help it. You're sitting in a meeting. Let's say there's 25 people in there. Okay, somewhere along the line in an hour and a half, somebody is going to do something, say something. Um, at least it happens to me where I start to get upset. And every single time I have to say, look, you don't really know what's going on. All you're seeing is what you're seeing. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Keep your mouth shut. And if you can, have the opportunity, say hi to them before you leave the meeting. Hmm. It's as simple as that for me. And that's a big deal because I used to be pretty abrasive. So, You, you see, but he... He's saying something that's absolutely right. If Marv knows his temperament and he knows that his words are going to hurt somebody, yeah, learn to keep your mouth shut and listen, and then say something kind to him as you're, you know, leaving the meeting or, or when you can. Right. You see, I mean, what's wrong with that? Yeah. You see, and Marv knows him, and now there's other people that have a, a gift where they can say something. See, and that's what's really nice about these steps. It's your inventory. It's not the other guys. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But Good when point. you hear somebody describe it, you think that there's a, a 9,364 methods, and there's not. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Marv knows that uh, if he's going to uh, to do these things and be that kind of a man, that uh, he needs God's help. Amen. You know. Amen. Well, number three here, uh, this is on page 68. It says, just to, just to the extent that we do what we think he, meaning God, would have us and humbly rely on him, and here's the promise, does he enable us to match calamity with serenity? What does that mean to you guys? Matching calamity with serenity. How does that work? Yeah, when I'm all tied up in a knot and full of fear and things going on around me and I don't know how to handle them, those that's calamity to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, he matches that with serenity. In the midst of that, even sometimes today, and I know I've stepped right out there with this one is, you know, I can uh, have serenity in the midst of the storm. Yeah, you know, I know there's a God, and I know He's well in work in the human heart, and that's a that's some form of serenity, <clears throat> if you can gather those thoughts in the midst of of calamity. Marv, yes, <laughs> do you experience peace and serenity in the midst of the storm at times? Not all the time. Mm-hmm. All the time, right? Um, Bruce mentioned the word uh, temperament a little bit ago. And uh, I was telling him yesterday, we were talking, and, and I'm reading this book on temperaments of four different temperaments. Well, <clears throat> the author, uh, Tim LaHaye, is the author, and, mm-hmm. and he. Uh, Starts out going through each temperament and tells all the good attributes about them. And then he goes into the bad attributes about them. Well, one of my bad attributes, um, which the big book and 12 steps and everything else talk about is the kind of temperament that I have. Uh, I'm self-centered. And... I'm very sensitive. So sometimes I do not feel like God has given me that serenity. Mm -hmm. So my battle is to exchange feelings for faith. Uh And that is a battle for me. Yeah. And I suspect for the human race as a whole. Some people are maybe a little farther ahead than I am, but but that's still a battle. And that's why uh, right here it says we start to straighten out mentally. Yeah. Well, I'm still starting, I guess. <laughs> but, yeah, there have been yeah. times when there's the world's coming down around my shoulders and, and I – uh, know the presence of God. Hmm. I hesitate to say I feel the presence of God, but I know that I know that I know. And then other times, it's really a battle. It's a struggle. Sometimes, we, sometimes we 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 want to we want God to save us the way we want God to save us. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> See. Here he is that God came to for a, for a very specific reason and 
and we want him to do it our way. <laughs> it's interesting because we were talking about this the other day, uh, uh, several of us, about the word Hosanna means save us now. It was a cry of the Jewish people back in, and this is this is this is the week. This is you know Easter week. Um, the other day was the was Palm Sunday. Um, was Jesus' triumphant entrance into Jerusalem, and here were all these people screaming, "Save us now! Save us now! Save us now!" What they were were crying out was, "We want you to save us the way you, we want you to save us." They were looking for a military overthrow. For of Rome, they you know we want you to save us now. It, we think of it as this beautiful, you know, they're waving palms, save us now. But it, <laughs> they were demanding, and that's why the very same people crucified him because they were making a demand, and he didn't meet it because he didn't come the way they wanted him to come. You don't think they were jubilant people? Oh, I think they were. Mm-hmm. I think they were very jubilant, and I think particularly the children were. But they were still making a demand. Save us now, right now. And and I think I think we gained a big discussion about this at some point, but but it's interesting that if <clears throat> if God were to save us the way we demand it, what kind of change would that have, have caused throughout humanity today? You know, if he were to come and overthrown Rome and the whole nine yards that day and come off the cross like like he could oh, have. all and, of Christianity would fall on its face without yes. the cross. I mean, like yeah, you. Yeah. But boy, they wanted that. They I mean, wanted him to do it right yeah, now. See, he came for see, yeah. and, and really, I think in the beginning of this uh, number three, mm-hmm. um, I think that the secret is right there because it says just to the extent. That we do what we think he would have of us. Right there is the problem. It's mm-hmm. it's what you're talking about. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, you bet. You bet. And that's and why that's you... where I get into trouble. And then as I'm doing what I think he he would okay the way he wants me to think or right. action or whatever. In reality, it may not be at all. What, and that's why it says, and <clears throat> humbly rely on him. Yeah. Because yeah, if we take that piece out, then we're just left with our own thinking. Again. See, that's the learning <clears throat> to humble ourselves. I actually thought for a while, because this humility was so elusive for yeah. me, I thought that that was a product of God himself. I thought God had to do that. And then I finally found out where in, in Peter it talks about humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that we could do that. You know what I mean? There's a process by which we we can do that. And I don't think it's adding to grace. And so I, I that was just huge for me because I pride so big and I've relied upon myself for so long that it was hard to to humble myself. Right. Where he could work in and through me, you know. I don't think that. I think it was all him, but I think it, <clears throat> to reach that place, I, I I couldn't even do that. You know what I mean? I I like the part in the book that just after that, what they talk about, and it's the next paragraph in the book, and I'm not going to read the whole paragraph, but it says we never apologize for God. Instead, we let Him demonstrate through us what He can do. 
We ask him to remove our fear and direct our attention to what he would have us be. At once we commence to outgrow fear. Say, and I think that that is something that we learn to practice. This is right in the middle of the step. It's telling, giving us instructions on what to do. Yeah. And that's something you have to practice. I still have fear. I still have calamity. But it's learning to trust him in all situations, you know. And so if I don't do that, uh, and I'm not trusting him, the question, and I've talked with Marv about this, him and me went over around this quite a few times. If we're not trusting God, who are we trusting? Sure. And I'll tell you. It always comes back to self-reliance. It's, it's me. Yeah. <laughs> and isn't that what got me in so much trouble? And, was, and, and I, love, I love this, too, because it goes back to what Marv was saying with the word start. It says that once we commence to outgrow, um, and that is conditional on asking him to remove our fear. When we ask him to remove our fear, then we begin to outgrow fear. But outgrow suggests to me that it's a process. We're outgrowing it. Yeah. Yeah. We just don't fit into what we're supposed to fit into right away. You bet. Yeah. 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 But what a promise at once we commence to outgrow this thing. Mm-hmm. Right? That, that, that's a great comfort to me. Hey, here's a question. <clears throat> How are you going to know that if you don't do it? <laughs> yeah. Because there's people listening to this show right now. They're going to walk away from this broadcast going, you know, that was really good. That sounded really good. And they'll never go back and do this four step. They'll never actually do it. They'll that's never a, actually that's sit down. That's a shame it. because it is a shame. I was riddled with fear. I mean, really riddled with it. And even in the penitentiary and some horrible things happened because of my fear and the driving force of it to do something, you know. So, and today to have, to have that diminished, to have that settled down, mm-hmm. to not to worry about those things, mm-hmm. to have an argument with somebody and to be able to go rest and not have that consume me and be afraid that there's going to be retaliation. You know, I'm not saying that still doesn't happen. Right. What I'm saying is that's been diminished and it's not no longer the driving force. Because I've learned to put myself in his hands in those situations. But it seems that they that's the kind of thing that has to happen to me before I'll go to him. It's at the why can't I do that all the time? <laughs> in the good times, in the bad times, mm-hmm. see. Yeah. Um Bonnie, what yeah. what's caught my attention and I know I'm kind of skipping here. No, that's but, okay. Uh on number ten. Oh, that's good because that's where we were going to go to because we're, we're running out of time, but we were going to go to number 10. Yeah. Um, it really struck me just now reading this. Um, you know, it really gets confusion, confusing in, in a, uh, I'm just going to quote unquote religious matters uh-huh. versus spiritual. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I read a lot, and I know you two do too. And it's confusing to me because I know that part of what's going on with me has to do with my self-will. Okay? Here it's saying something that I guess I didn't realize. 
It says that God can remove whatever self-will has blocked you off from him. And that, uh, pardon me, but that excites me because that is something that I'm fighting to do myself. And I can't do it. Right. Right. It's like, I can't do it. And maybe, maybe it's okay to relax in this thing. It is, Marv. Not. We got to stop trying to remove our own character defects. Exactly. That's what that's saying. I love it when somebody says, well, I've been working on my character defect of. I'm like, wait a minute. We ask God to remove our character defects. I can't do that. Because my nature is to hold on to each and every one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Boy, that, that's, that, to me, that's powerful. And it is hopefully powerful. Hopefully, for a lot of people, that that by itself should slap them upside the head. And say, <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting because... It's kind of like Noah build an ark. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Yeah, right. People, I will remove your self-will. <laughs> there's a place in the book, Mark, where it actually talks about we selfish, self-centered is the root of the problem, and there's no way of entirely getting rid of that without his, his aid. aid. And what I found out about myself and what I was willing to accept, God, <coughs> I'm so excited to hear him say that. Yeah. Because... We do. Me, you, you betcha. Marv, every one of us struggle with the fact that we think we say we're powerless, but then we say we've we got to go out and change things. Yeah. Or we figure we've got to change them. And the thing is, is we have to build a relationship with Lim and trust him. And then he'll help us to do that or he'll do it. There's times when I think he gives us the strength and the ability to do these things that we have to do. But sometimes we just don't know how. We just don't know how not to rest. Isn't it interesting that the beginning of this sentence says, we hope you are convinced now that God can remove whatever self-will has blocked you off from him. He uses that word convinced again. He's trying to get us to understand, we have to be convinced. I mean, back at step, at, in the step two and the ABCs, you know, being convinced, we were at step three. We we read over that, we you know, really quickly in the readings, in in the rooms. Being convinced. Now, we're, you can't be at step three until you've been convinced of one and two. Being convinced. And so here he says again, we hope you are convinced now, once again, and I have to be convinced regularly I don't know about you guys because I'm always thinking that I can fix this thing I I just fall I wake up thinking that and I have to be convinced on a daily basis that I can't Um, I can I can usually knock off some of my self-centeredness and be of help to people but I can't do these things on a regular basis Without living out of this spiritual life, see, I can't live out of I can't the, either. the self-centered life and accomplish these things. I have to try to learn to live out of this spiritual. And even in my spiritual life, that's just 
What's the word I want to use? I want to say impregnated. (laughs) (laughs) You know. But there's so much self-centeredness in it. Yeah. Part of the thing, I don't know if I should call it a problem or not, but so many books written by spiritual and education-wise people. Mm Mm-hmm. They say something like, and I'm just going to, um, so if you're having a problem with blah, 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 whatever it may be, um, then you need to do blah, blah, blah. And and like I said, uh, and, and I, I think you guys are the same way, spend a lot of time studying, right. researching, and well... <clears throat> I get really confused because here's this revelation to me once again that God will handle myself well, okay? But then on the other hand, you've got all this other literature, tons of literature saying, um, well, this will happen, but you have to do this, 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 or this. Sure. And to a newcomer in AA or somebody trying to walk in a spiritual walk, uh, am I wrong? Wouldn't that just be really hard and confusing? And you're you're scratching your head saying, okay, you want me to depend on this God, but these guys are saying this, this, and this, and and uh, and I got all these character defects, and I, you know what I mean, ad infinitum. Yeah, we, we've got we've got programs and and DVDs, and we, we have time. I'm going to get myself into trouble here, but I'm going to say it anyway. This is one of the issues I have with the largest self help publication industry in the world, Hazelden. Hazelden is is the largest organization uh, publication of self-help books in the world for people whose problem was self-help. They write these tons of these self-help books and that's our problem. Is we're trying to help ourselves. Gotcha. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> it's yeah. insanity. And I'm like, "What?" And I'm not saying that they don't publicize some very good stuff. They do. Well, part of the problem with what you're saying and uh, is people uh, at least I can't I can't just let down and relax and say oh thank you thank you Lord right. you're you're going to take care of it yeah, because you're... you've got all this other stuff coming at you yeah you're being inundated with it with it all and even you're even being inundated with it in the rooms you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, what do we do? Because you got all this this stuff, and it says you're supposed to do those. Uh, you know, you do those things. Yeah. So, I think that he, he's got a very valid point. We could do another show on that, and we've done six sub already. You know. Yeah. But I think that's a a, a a very valid point, and I think it needs to be brought up. We because we do we get these things. I when I I'll give you a, a one of the things I do because we so many people walk away from us like we were talking about. Mm-hmm. This is my foundation. He's holding the big book. If, yeah, hands, the, so yeah, the big book. See. When I'm teaching the steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, mm-hmm. when I'm doing spiritual things, 
such as uh, growing in my spiritual uh, knowledge and understanding of who my creator is, well, then I use the Bible. Mm-hmm. See, and that's my foundation. Mm-hmm. And that's where I go to. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then there's all these other books that are written about it. And I feel that I have to be grounded in the Bible before I can read all these books because they have such a huge influence on me. And to, to say they don't, I have some children that are of a different faith than me, mm-hmm. and I want to read about their faith for I can talk to them about it, for I can have some conversations with them. And uh, I wasn't able to do that until I got grounded in my own faith. It's interesting you say that because even even with like the big book, and this is why I think it's important for people in the whatever 12-step fellowship that they're in, that they be grounded in their basic text because there's all sorts of other literature out there that sounds real good and looks like it matches up with their basic text. But if you know the basic text really well, you can see where it does and where it doesn't. Uh, case in point, the book Living Sober. This is a book that is con- a conference-approved literature that slid under the table really quick. It wasn't even supposed to be approved. If you read Living Sober, it's the yellow pamphlet, kind of thin book, and you read the big book, and you really compare them, you would swear it's two different programs. Because one is really man-centered, and it's got good stuff in it, but it's not the real solution. But you would swear it was two different things. So I have to be grounded in that. And like you were saying, Bruce, like in our faith, it is important for me to be grounded in the Word of God because there's other things that will come along. You go to a Bible bookstore, there's lots of books in there that are anything but biblically correct. And I could read those and go, oh, that's good. That sounds good. Now, But if I'm not founded in in the Word of God, then I'm going to believe all sorts of garbage. And I, I think it's the same thing when it comes to if, if you're a Narcotics Anonymous, you need to know that the basic text of N.A., if you're an Alcoholics Anonymous, you need to know the basic text of Alcoholics Anonymous. Otherwise, you're going to be doing all sorts of weird stuff. Yeah, well, I can just be influenced because there's right. I hear things and they sound good to me, and I'd really like them to be that way. Sure. You know? <laughs> yeah. Sometimes this path that uh, we pick, this spiritual path, it's, it's pretty hard. You know what I mean? Because... Uh, People don't want to hear it from us. You know what I mean? Or, they don't. Or it, or it, uh, we have to um, let the tenacity, you know, learn to be, you know, to march forward. You know, mm. because it just because of our faith, we get arrows shot at us. Sure. You know, and it, it and society's doing one thing, and we're trying to do another. You know what I mean? And it's just, you know, they're living and doing what they want. You see what I mean? We have our own flesh and our own problems. We have all this pornography and everything else. And we have to stay away from that and not get involved. You yeah. see what I mean? Yeah. And yet we're the uh, capital of the world uh, for that here in the United States. Oh, you bet. So, I mean, if you think that it's not a, a life of uh, denial... Then you're wrong. <laughs> 
All right, so there you have it, another episode, uh, The Promises of Step 4 on uh, this edited version here at Take 12 Recovery Radio. Listen, uh, these are made available to you for free, as all of our shows are. If you'd like to donate to help keep Take 12 Recovery Radio on the air, simply visit us at Take12Radio.com. Scroll down to the bottom of the page. There you'll see a donate button. Also, there's a GoFundMe page link as well. Uh, Certainly not a requirement. These are always made available to you for free. Until our next broadcast, this is the Monty Man, and I'm wishing God's perfect serenity for you. Bye-bye now. This has been a broadcast of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting. Kitty, 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 kitty.